Good morning, everyone. Good to be here in church. Bright morning. I got a word for you this morning I'm very excited about. Believe in God. This is going to impact your life. Are you ready for it? Father, use this for your glory. Thank you that we're here again. Wow. Sunday morning at LifeGate Church. What a best place to be in the week. Thank you for it. God, use this message for your purpose and glory. This message you've dropped in my heart. Help me to present it clearly. Empower me. Anoint me for this task of presenting your word clearly. And God, give us hearts and ears open to hear from you. Not Nathan, but you, God, speak. And that you would touch us and transform our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said together, Amen. Amen. Good morning, Neil. You're very encouraging. Thank you, mate. Good to see you this morning. Hey, um, just come back from holidays. We did four weeks in England, as many of you will know. I'm going to give you a couple of photos to tell you about how we went. Who would like that? Only four, not many. First one's this. Um, my uh, favorite place to go was the Lord's Cricket Ground. Anyone been to Lord's Cricket Ground before? No. Well, I'm the only one. That is a photo taken from the Members Pavilion. Now, Lord's is a really like lots of history in the Australian cricket team. We went in the Australian cricket team's dressing room, the English cream's team dressing ground, the Members area. It was a wonderful, wonderful tour. So we uh, went into, um, into London for nine nights. Then we jumped in a car and we, and we went north up to Scotland and we went up to Aberdeen and saw Highland Games, these people chucking logs and wearing their skirts. Oh, good. Thanks, y'all. Wearing their skirts and all that sort of stuff. We went to uh, museums. We went to castles. Here's something else that we did. Anyone seen that picture before? Who's the, who's the band? Yell it out. The Beatles. The Beatles. Awesome. Then we uh, hired a car and we drove 3,000 kilometers. There's a picture of the kids in the, uh, in the uh, back seat of the car. It was fun. And, and uh, one of the most en- en- encouraging things to me on the trip is that we went to this castle in Edinburgh, and I, and I tried to walk through the doorway, and look what happened. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I have a newsflash. 500 years ago, I was a tall person. <laughs> 500 years ago. Not so much. What happened? What happened to us? We all just got taller. What about, anyway, I don't know. It was, uh, we, we, we had a really nice time with the family, and... Um, Michelle was the one that planned it, so thank you, Michelle, for dragging us along. It was wonderful to spend time with the kids and um, spent lots of time with the Lord. It was, a, it was a really nice time. We drove a long way and saw lots of things. It was good. But as we went along the journey of this four-week holiday driving 3,000 3, kilometers, I felt this anxiety rise up in me throughout the trip. You might think, what, what, what was I anxious about on a trip like that? Well, what I, what I worked out was that I was anxious about things that I was unsure about or the, or the things that I didn't know what was going to happen next. And there was lots of that, going from place to place to place, trying to work out where the supermarket was, how far is it, um, if something goes wrong, where's the doctor if, if the kids get sick, um, how do I minimize costs, how far is the supermarket, what's the best prices, um, what else did I write down where I was getting anxious? When we were flying back to Dubai, we only had a short time. Is that enough time to catch the next flight? It, what if we got left behind? Lots of catastrophizing thinking. Now, this anxiety wasn't crippling. It wasn't a big thing in my life. I didn't lose sleep over it. But as I was thinking about the things that were unknown and the things that, was, that, that, that I was unsure about, I was having these, this anxiety, small amount, rise up within me. Now, as... I recognized this anxiety. I went, hang on a second. Why am I anxious about this? I know who my God is. Before we left, we prayed that, that our God would protect us, 
that uh, we are prayed the blood of Jesus over our family, over the car, over the places we stayed, the food we eat. We prayed we wouldn't get sick. So all I had to do was put my trust in God, but it was in those moments where I wasn't thinking about God, I was thinking about me and me trying to, con- me trying to control it, a bit of a control freak, me trying to hold it all together, me trying to work it all out and carry the weight of it myself, that's when the anxiety rose up. But as soon as I worked out that I didn't need to be anxious, I didn't need to be anxious about this, all I had to do is, is, is hand it over to God and put my trust in Him. And when I did that because of who He is and because He loves me and He's for me and He's my protector and my refuge and my strength, as soon as I handed over to Him, guess what happened? This peace came over me. This settledness came over me. The weight of trying to work it all out, carry it, lifted, and I could enjoy the next moment. And then when the anxiety came again, I did the same thing. God, I commit this to you. And when it came again, God, I commit this to you. Friends, I want to talk to you about this morning about the difference between believing in God or believing God. Can, can anyone relate to my story this morning? Maybe there's, there's been a situation that you're concerned about that is outside of your control. Has anyone been in a situation where things are happening with family, friends, kids, workplace that are outside of your control and, and it worries you? And then your response is not rather, God, I commit it to you, but rather I'm going to try and work this out and try to control it and, and carry the weight and, and just try and make it all work. Or maybe, another thought for you this morning, maybe you know someone or it's yourself who's in a, who's in a difficult situation. A family friend, a, a kid, a parent, yourself who's in a difficult situation. And in this, this, in, in this difficult situation, rather than going, God, I need you in this situation, I commit this situation to you, we go, oh dear, and we freak out and we run around and we're trying to fix it and we carry the weight of it and we take the pressure on it on us, the pressure of it on us, rather than committing it to God. This morning I want to ask you this question. Do you believe in God or do you believe God? Now, you might look at those two phrases and say, well, Nathan, is there like a big difference between those phrases? And you could argue there's not. But for for the sake of today's message, if I put that there, is that high enough for people to see? Sorry? I put the wrong one up. Thank you, Nick. That one goes on this side. Is that too low? Higher? I'll put it up here. I'll go higher. No one talked to me. That means there's a problem. The difference between believing in God and believing God. I'm going to use the phrase this morning to believe in God to, to mean that he exists, that you know he's there and that God's over there, up there doing his thing. I believe in God. And and in our last census in 2016, it We're told that about 60% of the population believe in God. To believe in God means that he, he, he exists. And if you're someone who believes God exists, you might believe some other things about God. You might believe that he's powerful. You might believe that he's your savior, not he's your savior, that he is a savior, I should say that. You might believe that God is a creator. You might believe that God is a healer. You might believe that he's a judge, that he's a protector, that he's a provider. But he's that God and he's those things maybe 
But there's a huge disconnect from him being those things and him being those things for you. For to believe God is to put your trust in him. So when we go back to this list, we believe not only does he exist, but he loves me. He is not only powerful, but he uses his power for me. He's not only a saviour, to believe God, to trust him means that he is my saviour. He's the one who is my creator. He's the one who forgives my sin. He is my healer. He is my judge. He is my protector. He is my provider. He has great plans for me. He is for me. Friends, there's a big difference to believing in God to believing God. This is who he is with little or no connection with me. This is who he is. I know who he is, but wow, I put my trust in him and I rely on him, all who he is and all that he says, I, I trust him. When we live this way, where God's at a distance, maybe we, we believe some things about him, but we haven't trusted him, we haven't relied on him. If we live this way, well, we carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. We worry. We're fearful. We're trying to work it out on our own. But when we live on this side, where we live in trust, we live in surrender, we live in rest, we live in peace, because we know who he is and we know what he's going to do for us. Let me illustrate. How's this this morning? Are you with me? Is that clear? Shell, is that clear? Do you understand the point? Are you with me? A few more smiles would be nice. A few more nods. You don't have to do the amen thing, but a few smiles would be nice. Stay with me here. Let me illustrate this for you this morning. Seat number one, where you believe God, where you trust him, and as you go through life, and the troubles come in life, and the difficulties come in life, and the stuff, the uh, things that you're unsure about, they come. But when you sit here in this place of knowing who God is and putting your trust in him, you can sit and you can relax and you, and you can enjoy the journey of life because God is for you. God is holding you. But if you come to this chair, and let me illustrate this with a chair. And then you try and sit, and it'll get burnt. No, everyone's okay. And you try and sit on a chair like this without a leg. Well, you go about life, and the worries of life, you've got you to hold on. And, and you have to put striving in and effort in, and, and you've and, and you got to carry the weight. And you worry as you go through life trying to balance it out, trying to make it, trying to make it work. Which side do you want to live? Which way do you want to live? Do you want to live this way, or do you want to live this way? And friends, you have a choice today which way you live. You can choose to live in a way where you believe God exists, but not put your trust in him. Or you can choose to live in a way where you believe God exists and he is your creator. He is your healer. He is your protector. He has great plans for you. He is for you. If you live that way, you can live stress-free, worry-free. 
not holding it all together. Let me give you a few thoughts on this. Oh, let me say this before I give you a few thoughts. Now, you might think to yourself, well, how can I possibly trust God for the next thing when I don't know what it is? How can I, how can I, how can I be sure that, that our God has got it sorted out? How can I be positive that God is going to come through in my circumstance before it even comes? Well, this scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 gives you the definition of faith. And the word faith, the word belief, believe in scripture is the same word. You can use them interchangeably. This is the definition of faith in Hebrews 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. We hope for this and we put our confidence in this. It's an assurance about what we do not see. You know, you can believe that God is provider. And you may not see it yet, but faith is putting your assurance and your trust in God as provider, even though you haven't yet seen the breakthrough. You can put your trust in God as healer, even in the sickness, even when it doesn't look great, because you can believe that God is healer. You can put your trust in God who is the forgiver of sins. Even when your sin, like David read beautifully for us from that book about that man whose sins, wow, were huge, and yet he came to Jesus and found forgiveness. Friends, you can trust God for forgiveness. You can trust God for eternal life, even though you don't see it yet. Let me give you a few thoughts on this. Number one, living this way doesn't mean we don't do our bit. No, we still need to work with our hands. And we still need to have the difficult conversation. And we still need to go through the seasons of life. It doesn't mean God does it all, but what it, does, but what it means is as we go through it, we can put our trust in him. And the second thing I want to say, and this is where we want to go this morning, is we can easily move from one to the other. And we don't just stay here. We can easily Slip back here. Before you're a Christian, I reckon that you work out that God exists. Then you put your trust in him. You trust, you trust him to forgive you for your sin. You trust him to save you from death. You trust him for eternal life. And then as a Christian, you start here. But as you live as a Christian, do you stay here or do you wander back? Do you trust God to be your provider? Do you trust God to be your healer? Do you trust God that he will work in your family? That he will train your kids, as you train your kids in the way they should go, they will not depart from it. That's a a promise of scripture. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God holds you in the palm of your hand? Or do you go around carrying the weight and stressing out and worry? And every time you stress out and worry and carry the weight yourself, you move from this side to this side. Friends, I want to take you this morning to um, the book of Exodus. We're going to look at a number of scriptures. And I I mentioned last week that as I was away um, in England, I I worked through this book each day. And it was just a beautiful thing. I journaled on it. And God spoke to me heaps, heaps. And I want to share with you some of the things that God spoke to me about. And what I want to look at today is how the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, moved from here to here. And then back to here. And they continue to stay here. 
The book of Exodus is called Exodus because it's about the people exiting, people exiting Egypt. The people of Israel were in Egypt for about 400 years, just over 400 years. And, I, in, in, and we're not too sure how far in, but, a, but a, a few years into that 400 years, the people became slaves. And they were treated really, 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 really poorly. Moses has an incident. He leaves and goes into the, um, the desert. He sees this bush that's not burning. He goes up to the bush and God speaks to him for the bush. And God speaks to him about who he is. He says, I am. I am the God of the father of, of Abraham. I am the God of, the father of, of your father Jacob and um, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And he says, what I'm going to do, Moses, I'm going to use you to rescue my people from the Egyptians and bring them into the promised land. And, and Moses goes, no thanks, that's not for me. And he tried to get out of it a number of times, but then God said, no, no, you're the man. And this is what God said to Moses. He says, go, in Exodus chapter 3, go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and I've seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I've promised to bring you out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Vegemites, the Termites, the Parasites. It's not really there. I made that up. Um, Hivites and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And God said, and Moses like, are you sure? But I can't speak good. Well, Aaron's going to help you. Your older brother's going to help you. So he goes. And in the next chapter, in Exodus chapter 4, this is what we read. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israel, like God said. And Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs. That's about the stick being the snake, the hand, leprosy, no leprosy. And they believed. Read that. He also performed the signs before the people and they believed God. We believe God in you. We believe what you're going to do. We're going to trust you. And look at how they responded. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. These leaders of the people were trying to lead their people who were in such mess, in such slavery. Their prayer was, God, rescue us. God, change this. We believe you're there. Did they believe God? I don't know where they were in this, but they definitely were here at some point. God changed this situation, and then Moses comes saying, God is about to do it, and the people were so joyful. They bowed down, and they worshipped the Lord, saying, God, we thank you for what you're going to do. And friends, there's a lovely picture for us of when we're in the trouble, when we're in the hardship, we can grab a hold of the promises of God, and we can say, God, I thank you for what you're about to do. I thank you for what you're about to do. But then, friends, let me say this, that whenever God is going to do something extraordinary in your life, not always, but regularly, trouble can come. Moses then goes to Pharaoh. And Moses says, I've got good news for you, Pharaoh. You're about to lose all your slaves who are building your cities. And Pharaoh is so upset with that, he punishes the people and says, you need to make what? Bricks without straw. 
Now, they still have to get the straw. They got to get it themselves. They have to go out earlier in the morning, go get, go get the straw, bring it back, so the same quantity of bricks could be made. The people hated that, as you can imagine. And the leaders of the people went to Pharaoh and said, Why? What's going on? Why have you done this? And he finds out about, and, and they find out about Moses. Maybe they found out earlier about Moses. We're not exactly sure. And they go to Moses and they say, Moses, what have you done? And the people went from believing God to, yeah, we know God exists, but he's not doing anything for me. God, what, Moses, what have you done? This hardship has come on your people. What have you done? And in chapter 6, Moses goes back to God and says, God, What's going on here? You said we we're going to free the people. All this trouble has happened to them. What's going on? And God says this, remind the people of the promises that I made. That's next. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with a mighty, with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Here's the first thought for this morning. Number one, believing in God doesn't mean, doesn't always mean smooth sailing. When God gave the promise, then they had bricks without straw. And friends, whenever you choose to believe God, Whenever you choose to say, God, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to rely on you, you make yourself a target for the enemy. Satan hates it when people choose to believe God. And Satan will choose to come against you through other people, through circumstance. He might attack you lots of different ways. But let me say this to you, the greater is him who is in you, that is God by his spirit, than he that is in the world. That's Satan. Greater is God that is in you, who is your protector. And as Satan does come, you stand firm, you resist the devil, and what does he do? He, that's right. Whenever you stand for God, you make yourself a target. But by standing for God, you then see the, the magnificence of God in work in your own life as he, does, as he does mighty things. God gives after that, God then gives this promise of what he's going to do. He reminds them of what he's going to do, which then comes to the second thought this morning. In difficulty, be reminded of God's promises. When you're told you need to bake bricks without straw, when you're told there is a sickness, when you're told there is a financial difficulty, when you're told there's a relationship bust up, when you're told things aren't right, when you're unsure, or even when, even when things aren't working like they should, in the difficulty, Remind yourself of the promises of God. You know, what happens is when we get into difficulty, the most common thing to do is, react, is, is, is retract, is to hide, is to get on your own. But that's the worst thing you can do. The best thing you can do is remind yourself of God's promises. Get in His Word. His Word is full of promises for you. Listen to podcasts of preachers that, that are declaring the promises of God. Get into this place. The gathering, getting to the church, the ecclesia, the, the, the gathering of believers who are here for a mission to serve our God, to love our God, and you will hear his promises. You will sing songs of praise, reminding yourself of the promises of God. Friends, in the difficulty, remind yourself of his promises. And then after this, 
We then have 11 events where God's people should have moved from here to here. The first nine events are the plagues, plagues of boils, plagues of fleas and gnats of the, the, the uh, river turning into blood, all these plagues. And it's interesting that for each plague, the Israelite people were not affected. They were living in a place called Goshen and God protected Goshen from, from the plagues. Now, if you're an Israelite who believed in God, God, I know you're there. I reckon you're shifting to believing God. God, you're doing this stuff for me. God, I'm believing that you're going you're gonna to rescue me. And then comes the 10th plague the plague of the death of the firstborn. And then God includes the people on the promise of this one. He says, I want you to get blood and I want you to, the blood of a, 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 a lamb, a, a, a lamb without deflect, a picture of Jesus to come and get that lamb and, and put it around the door frames as a way of protecting you from death, as a way of saving you from death. A beautiful picture of what Christ has done for, for us this morning, how he saved us from death. And by that blood, and when the angel of death came over, those people were protected. The Israelites saw the death of the firstborn throughout Egypt. And then the very next day, the 11th event, the people left Israel. And how many people left Israel? The Bible says there were 600,000 men, plus women and children. This mighty act of God where these people who had been in slavery for years and treated so poorly were set, were set free. And they wandered off free with actually not just with their own stuff, but by the Egyptians. The Bible says that they plundered the Egyptians. Another message, message is going to be about the war that happened between the demonic realm and God in this picture in Exodus, which is a beautiful picture of how God overcomes the work of the enemy. And the people leave with the treasures of Egypt, and they go into the desert free. Now, I don't know if you're an Israelite back then, where you would be. I don't know whether you'd be on this side, or on this side, but wow, you'd seen some mighty things. You've seen some incredible wonders. You've seen God set you free. And I reckon many, many, many of the people were in this place of believing God. God, you are real. God, I trust you that you're the one that freed us. You're the one that did all this and you've set me free today, God. I believe you and I trust you. But how long did that last? Not very long. As they leave Egypt, they walk across the desert and they get to the edge of the Red Sea. And at the edge of the Red Sea, they're there as a people and know that they're celebrating because they've been set free. But then they see from a distance Pharaoh's army coming. And if they were people who believed God, they're like, they're coming, but God has rescued us. He's going to take us into the promised land. We're going to trust God in this season. He's going to do something. But they didn't do that. They went back to this place. And this is what they said around the Red Sea. They said to Moses, was it because there was no more graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They believed God's existed. They saw all that he did, but they didn't put their trust in him. They thought this is the end. But yet, out of God's kindness, he rescued them. Exodus 15, big celebration, worship. God, you've rescued us from the Egyptians. God, you're so good. Now we are free. They get across the Red Sea. They walk for three days, three days in the desert. And they get thirsty. They run out of water. We need water. Thank you, thank you Colin. 
That wasn't on time, but that is perfectly timed. Did you know that was coming? I'm struggling a bit, eh? We're nearly there, friends. We're nearly there. Last page. They needed water to drink. And rather than going, God, I believe you, you've, you've rescued us, you've supplied our needs, you're going to give us water. No, 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 that's not what they did. Here it is again. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, from the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink, Moses? This is not working for us. There's water back in Egypt. What are you doing? And then God again, water from the rock. Fourth one, food to eat. They go 10 days, 10 days, and they run out of food. And rather than going, God, you've given us water, you rescued us from Egypt, you've crossed us the Red Sea, you're going to supply food for us, it's going to be okay. No, no, that's not what happened. They complained again. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Over and over and over again. These people, yet they believed in God. They did not believe God. They complained. They worried. And I wonder, as I share this story about these Egyptians, how they believe here, then they go from here back to here, and they stay here, and the trouble comes, and they doubt, and the trouble comes, and they worry, and the trouble comes, and they freak out. I wonder how similar they are to you and me. Boom. Boom. Ouch. Ouch. I wonder how similar they are to you and me. How many times have you seen God do extraordinary things in your life or the lives of people around you? How many times? Over and over and over again. God has rescued you from death. He has given you eternal life. He has forgiven your sin. Incredible, monumental, eternal things. And then when the bank account gets low, we freak out. When the doctor's report comes back negative, we freak out. When there's a relationship difficulty, we freak out. When things in our family don't go right, we freak out. And every time we freak out, we come to this place. Yeah, we know you're there, God. We know you can do all those things. Rather than walking on this side and say, God, I trust you and I believe you can do all those things for me and in this situation. God doesn't want us to live here. God wants us to live here. Do not be anxious by anything, but by prayer and petition, commit your request to God. And as you do that, the peace of God will transcend all understanding and guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, set your mind on things that are pure, or noble, or trustworthy, or praiseworthy. Set your mind on those things. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light as we live in this place of relax, trust, surrender. Giving it all away, away to him. That song we sang at Hillsong this week. And the trouble of life will come. And difficulty will come. And it will be tough. And there will be seasons. But we can live in this place of, God, I trust you. I rely on you. I hand this I hand this season to I hand this situation to you. 
and I live in rest and peace. Compared to, I'm in this season, oh dear, what am I going to do? Oh, I need to hold it all together. This weight is so heavy. What am I going to do to fix this? How, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? What if that happens? What if this happens? Who's going to do that? What's a totally different way of living? And this morning, you know what? The beauty of this, the beauty of this message is that you get to choose. You get to choose which way to live. And friends, today can be a new day for you. You can start afresh. And you can say, God, I'm sorry for living this side. And from, that, and from this moment, I'm going to choose to live this side. And there's going to be moments you're going to go back. I know that because we're fallen, sinful, dodgy people. Dodgy, yeah, dodgy. But every time you step back, step back again. God, I'm sorry for worrying again. I, I, I choose to trust you and I choose to believe you and I choose for you to carry this for me in my life. I choose to come back here. So as we close this morning, um, we're going to sing a song, Fee, bring the band. And at the end of the song, you know, we're going we're gonna to have, who's on the prayer team this morning? Who's on the prayer team? Raise your hand. I'm going to ask you guys to pray for people this morning. At the end of the song, come up at the end of the song. And, and if God has spoken to you today, not Nathan, if God has spoken to you about, around this message, about you needing to live here, whoops, needing to live here rather than here, I encourage you to come and get prayer and say, I struggle in this area. Confess it. So the Bible says confess your sins to one another. Confess it to this person. I struggle in this area. Would you pray for me? And as Marcelo and Jackie and Donna as well and other people pray for you, they're going to pray that God is going to do something special in your life, that he's going to renew your mind, that he's going to give you faith to believe God's promises. Because when you do that and you invite God, things change. He's the God who transforms us. And we can live a life of belief. Well, maybe you're here this morning and you know you're here. You know God's there and you have never stepped across. You know that Jesus has died for you and rose from the dead. You know that you've messed up, you've sinned, you've fallen short of what God wants for, uh, for you and for me, everyone. And you need his forgiveness. And you want to trust him for, to save you from death and give you eternal life. If that's you this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer and I want to invite you to pray the prayer with me. And by doing that, by praying that prayer, you'll be committing your life to Jesus. You'll, be, you'll, be, you'll become a Christian, a start of a journey where you follow him all the days of your life. So with every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here this morning and you want to commit your life to Jesus for the first time or you've wandered a long way and you want to come back to him this morning, what I'd love you to do with every head bowed and eye closed is just raise your hand so I know who, you, who I'm praying for. So if there's anyone here this morning who wants to pray this prayer of committing life to Jesus, raise your hand now so I can see that. Let's pray this prayer together in Jesus' name. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.